millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Dose of Leadership Podcast, Episode 300. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to Dose of Leadership, a very special episode, episode 300, major milestone for me here at Dose of Leadership, four and a half years into the show, and we're hitting our 300th episode. And the show continues to grow and garner much support, and it's all because of you. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully, you're finding some great value in Dose of Leadership. The show is perfect, or it should be in your rotation to help you in your leadership journey, where we talk about leadership because it's central to every aspect of our lives. We bring on fascinating guests, and we explore the topic in depth. And today's no exception. I'm honored for the 300th episode to have on my show today, Bernie Swain. He's the founder of the world's leading lecture agency, the Washington Speakers Bureau. Since he found this bureau, Bernie has represented three former U.S. presidents, five secretaries of state, four prime ministers of Great Britain, American and world leaders, business, economic visionaries, authors, media personalities, sports legends. I mean, this is the who's who. Bernie represents all of them, and he's been fortunate to be surrounded by all this greatness and that uh, he wrote a book about it. And his book is called What Made Me Who I Am. And it tells this story of how he and his wife, with no experience, built this agency into the largest and most respected in the world. And the book also features firsthand accounts of the powerful influences and the defining moments in the lives of 34 of his speakers, from Doris Kearns Goodwin to Colin Powell, Terry Bradshaw, Tom Brokaw, Tony Blair. And he assembles all these conversations into the book and uses their real-life examples to teach us about character, accomplishment, life, leadership, success. And it's a great book, and we talk about it in depth in this conversation. Bernie's a great guest, and again, I'm honored that he's on this 300th episode. Um, it's just a fascinating conversation and a great man with a great story, and you're really going to enjoy it. Now, before we get to the interview, let me plug Legacy Leader Blueprint, my online leadership course. This is a course designed for organizations if they're trying to do some uh, development, leadership development and personal training for some of their up-and-coming managers, their supervisors, uh, Legacy Leader Blueprint is perfect at $349 per seat. It doesn't break the bank. And I've designed the course so it's easy, so it doesn't disrupt um, their busy schedules, so they can take their time and watch each module at their own pace in about every two to three weeks. Uh, four times throughout the session, I will meet with them for an hour and a half and facilitate a conversation specific to the organization and help cement the material and plant those seeds of leadership development and cultural uh, change and positivity within the organization. And Legacy Leader Blueprint is perfect. You can learn more at richardryerson.com or doseofleadership.com. Just click on the Legacy Leader Blueprint links and you can find out more information. You can watch a free video there as well that explains what's inside Legacy Leader Blueprint and if you got any questions, I'd be more than happy 
to answer them at richardadoseofleadership.com and help you and your organization become the leaders you were called to be. All right. Great guest, Bernie Swain, here on Dose of Leadership, episode 300. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for being a fan of the show. Bernie Swain on Dose of Leadership. Well, Bernie, what a thrill and an honor to have you on Dose of Leadership. Welcome to the show, my friend. Well, thank you. It's a thrill for me, too. I'm so glad we're able to do this. I think, and thank you for your flexibility through all my uh, domestic uh, plumbing problems here. But uh, we're, I'm so glad on this June Friday afternoon that we're able to connect. Are you looking forward to the weekend? Uh, I am. I'm in New York. I just had uh, we just had our first uh, grandchild. So, oh my gosh, really? Yeah, my daughter had a, a couple weeks old now. So, how exciting! It close yeah. by, or do you got to travel, or is it somewhere you can see? Well, we're in New York, and she's in Brooklyn, so Perfect. it's not very far away. I bet you you're just uh, can't spend enough time with the little one, I imagine. Yep, little William. Little William. Congratulations on that, my friend. Thank you. I got to tell you, I'm excited to have you on the show because in a lot of ways, uh, what you're doing, what you've accomplished, in a lot of ways, um, I've discovered uh, kind of the second season of my life, kind of the way you did when you're starting your business. You know, you were telling me in, the, in pre-production here or pre-recording that you had a career until you were 36, I think you said, and you embarked on this path where you find yourself today. Talk a little bit about that. How did you, what was the dream when you were in your 20s and 30s, and how did you end up doing what you do now? Well, uh, as I said to you before, uh, I was not destined to go to college. My mother's family and my mother were farmers in Central Virginia and basically lived off the land. Right. My father grew up in the poorest of mining towns in West Virginia, uh, lived in a two-room house with five sisters, a brother, and assorted relatives, and spent part of his childhood in an orphanage when my grandmother, his mother, couldn't take care of him. Uh, so there was never much talk in my family about going to college, right. and I just happened to attach to a speaker that I looked up to who was also the football coach and the athletic director, and he encouraged me to go to college, uh, and in fact, he inspired me. I wanted to be just like him, so I devoted the next 18 years to a career as a teacher and, and an athletic coach uh, and in athletic administration. And by the time I was 36 years old, I had been I had been the assistant athletic director at George Washington University when the old-time athletic director announced his retirement, and I was promised his job. And um, that was my dream job. I mean, that was the culmination of, of 18 years of a career. Uh, that boy who may have never gone to college before had exceeded his expectations. And then suddenly I walked away and I quit. <laughs> uh, a friend of mine had sent me a copy of Fortune magazine. And in that magazine was an article about the Harry Walker Agency, right. which at the time was the largest lecture agency in the world. And in the article, the author recounts how Harry, Harry Walker walks into the Ki Gerald Ford White House and picks up Henry Kissinger, Alexander Haig, and Gerald Ford as clients. And near the end of the article, uh, Henry Kissinger is complaining about the bureau, uh, complaining about the high commission rate that Harry Walker wants to charge, mm. and says, "Why don't I sign with one of your competitors?" And Harry Walker says, "I have no competitors." <laughs> so that was it. You're like, man, maybe I can be that competitor. That, that was that the spark. Well, actually, uh, you know, like uh, the book that I wrote is about the turning points in our lives. So that, right. that athletic director, that 
football coach in high school was a turning point for me because I paid attention to him. Yeah. And he led me in a direction I would have never gone before. So I had taken this magazine home and I left it on the coffee table and I came home several days after reading it. And my wife said to me, have you read the article in this magazine? And she says, he has no competition. And she sat me down and she said, you know, you come home complaining about the bureaucracy of university life. And despite having this new job, I don't think you're ever going to be happy unless you can do something on your own. So over a period of weeks, she pushed and she prodded me. And she was the one that convinced me to walk away and quit my job. What a blessing to have that in your corner. I mean, looking back certainly now, but I mean, uh, yeah, and um, as always, when we look back in hindsight, it's like, yeah, that was the great defining moment. But I'm sure as you write in your book, um, what have I done moments, I'm sure, cropped up after that, right? Well, I'm in New York and Yogi Berra, the great catcher for the New York Yankees, once said, when I get to a turning point, when I get to that fork in the road, I take it. (laughs) Right. And unfortunately, that's what most of us do. We, mm-hmm. we either get to that fork in the road, a turning point, and we don't pay attention to it. it. It goes past us. We miss the person in our lives or an opportunity or an event or a time, and, and we don't listen to it. We don't pay attention. And mm-hmm. I was lucky enough in high school to pay attention to uh, this teacher who put me in the right direction. I also, when I was 36 years old, was smart enough to pay attention to my wife who saw something in right, me right. that I didn't see in myself. Right. That's so – gosh, I mean how many examples and even when you look back on people that i talked to and even in my own life and it's those – there's always those defining moments. I know what you're talking about and you sit there and it's like if you had it just uh, – listen, I find that those those moments where the significance has happened where I've kind of followed callings – there was either one, like you said, somebody that pushed me in that direction, or number two, I made the decision almost instantaneously without a lot. And you know, I didn't write a big pros and con and weigh it. It was it was like a, a gut instinctual decision. Does that make sense? And that's what that's what these turning points are. They're, yeah, they they are built into you. Yes, these turning points are like those defining moments, those powerful influences in your life. And as, as I said, they can be people who come into your life. Yep or moments in time, or unexpected events. And these turning points define our success and accomplishment because, quite frankly, success and accomplishment do not happen in a vacuum. They don't. And it's like you have to be attuned to it. And I think is, I don't know how do I articulate this, but it isn't the, the, the requirement or the prerequisite to, to, to make sure we capitalize on those moments is having this high degree of self-awareness or is it listening? I'm, I'm struggling with what I'm trying to say. Does that make sense? It's, it, it, absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, somebody my age, I'm, I'm older uh, and, you know, I, I've, I know I've experienced these turning points in my life. But what this is so important for is people today in their 20s and 30s who don't have people to look up to or don't realize the importance of these turning points because these – these turning points are built into us. Uh, that's why it, instinctively you can make a snap decision because you feel something is right. It's because some, somewhere it's in your DNA right. to do this. You have that. That's a great point because it's even like when you start going down the, the development path or trying to find out your calling, you already have all the tools required to get you where you want to 
to, to, to be or need to be, right? It's like, right. Right. it's not like you don't have, I mean, certainly the skills can be developed, but I think a lot of times what holds us back is like, ah, I never can see myself doing that. But reality is you have it in you. It's like you become, you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in it. You become what you think, you know, kind of the Ernest Nightingale type, you know, you become what you think or the Napoleon Hill um, the, the more that you feed your subconscious, whatever you feed your subconscious, you're going to become. And are, do you subscribe to that? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I might have been a good athletic director at a university, but I was born to be this. Yes. I, mean, I, I took, uh, I took a speaker's bureau with no, starting it with no experience and no plan. And I had no money. I ended up having to put a, second mortgage on my home to live on and to start our company. And I had a $55,000, two mortgages for $55,000 on a $60,000 house mm. at above 12% interest rate. Oh my God. And then. And little I kids, could, and little I kids could, to feed, I, right? I couldn't allocate money for an office building. So I had a friend rent us a stationary closet. We sat in a stationary closet oh my God. for 12 months with no, absolutely no success. But, because I made the right decision, because I, I had confidence that that it was going to lead me in the right direction, I took from that point in that closet to eight years later, I became nothing to the biggest lecture agency in the world. Yeah, let's 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 talk about that moment because um, it's it's suspending the belief on how something's going to get done, which I think all great leaders and people who accomplish something of significance or when you've, you're approaching your calling, you suspend the belief on how it gets done. You just know it's going to get done. It doesn't mean you're not going to be afraid. In fact, and in fact, I was, I was kind of in a debate with one of my friends the other day about this where I said, you know, if you take, um, David facing Goliath, um, I think in my opinion that David was frightened However, I, I think at the same time he was confident he was going to destroy the giant. And it's that paradigm. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, the, the key to entrepreneurism is passion. Right. And passion is much more important than talent. I had no idea that right. whether I would be good at what I was going to do, but I had the passion to succeed. And, and that's the difference. And what sustained you through those kind of, um, you know, dark nights of the soul when there was no money coming in. You had two mouth. Did you have one or two babies to feed at this time? I can't remember what it said in your book. I had, I had one. I had one on the way when, we, when we were sitting in the closet. In in order to even leave our closet, we had to wait for uh, the person who ran us the closet was Chuck Hagel, who ended up to be the Secretary right. of Defense for Barack Obama. And in order to leave our closet, we had to wait for one of Chuck's meetings to be over. Because you had to go from our closet through Chuck's office and out the building. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, and and in order to start our company, we would sit in that closet and we would think of famous names, and we would try to find a telephone number, but none of our phone calls were ever returned. Then we would get addresses and we would write them letters saying we'd like to represent you, and we would get in return letters from lawyers who said my client. This famous person is under a written contract with another speaker's bureau. Don't write him again wow. or we'll sue you. And for the first time sitting in that closet, we discovered that there were five or six large agencies in addition to Harry Walker up and down the east coast of the United States. And Harry Walker's claim of no competition, which got us started, was nothing more than a strategic boast. Oh, my gosh. Was that – a again, how did you sustain yourself? How did you – because – 
that would sink most people. And you think, oh, my God. and And I do remember, I do remember late at night often sitting in the closet and putting my head in my hand and saying to myself, what have we done? On the other hand, seven, six o'clock in the morning would come and I just had a confidence, a passion that somehow mm. this would, would, would work. Twelve months passed and we were almost out of money and then we sustained ourselves for another two months. And I get a call from a guy named Steve Bell who was the anchorman for what was then a new show in 1975 called Good Morning America. And right. he's he had been with one of those other agencies under a written contract. The contract had just expired. Uh, he had, they hadn't fulfilled, uh, done a good job for him. They hadn't fulfilled the contract. I had met him briefly when I had been at the university. So he knew, just happened and by chance to know that I had started a lecture agency. He invited me over and instantly, you know, we agreed that we would represent him and I shook his hand. On the drive back to the, our closet, I remember thinking to myself, I didn't sign him to a written contract. <laughs> and then – so I got back to the closet and I said to my wife, Paula, I said – I tried to justify the mistake that I made by saying, well, what good would it do to hold him to a piece of paper if he is unhappy? And and that mistake on my part to, turned out to be a defining moment for us because Steve then went and told his friends – other Washington journalists that if you don't like to be under a written contract with an agency and be tied up with them as we I was, you can go shake hands with these guys and walk away from them anytime you want. God. And that's what got us started. Oh, my Lord. It's always those little uh, subtle but very powerful moments, right? Right. That's right. But you know, you know when you if, you if you pay attention to the people in your lives and the events that take place and you make those smart decisions on which way of the for, in the fork of the road am I going to go, then, then you will have confidence in what you're doing. And right. that's the basis of those 34 stories in the book. All of those 34 people are famous people. And unlike what I thought when I was first starting the company that Gee, these famous people must have gotten some money, or yeah, a, right. a, a silver, a golden spoon, or or their parents were famous, or something like that. Most of these people came like like I did. They yep. came from backgrounds where they weren't sure they were going to succeed, and they had a lot of adversity. But they all paid attention to that turning points or those mm. turning points in their lives. And they didn't quit. I mean, I think, and, and certainly I'm not trying to compare this little show with what you've accomplished and some of the great people you've represented and had the privilege to, to learn from and sit down. But I, you know, when I started this show, if I can kind of compare in the sense that what, what has transformed over me over the past five years, you know, I started the show with the sole intent kind of, again, it was more of a gut feeling. Like, I mean, it was literally the morning I woke up, I had the idea and I started emailing people that day. And a month later, I released my first conversation. I had six under my belt. And and I, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and if you think back at it, you will see a moment in time. Yeah. Yeah. That, that you wanted to do that because, and you, it was a moment in time you paid attention to. Exactly. And that's what gave us, gave you your confidence. And you mm-hmm. may have not known quite where is this path going to lead me, but at the same time, you had a passion in, in to take that path and a confidence that generated from that passion. That's absolutely right. I mean, and I, and I look back with, you know, kind of perspective now and how I thought, or I didn't know exactly where it was going to go, but I knew I had to do it. There was just something inside of me and I wanted to do it. And I went with the, just the, the general thought of like, 
oh, well, this will just get me more exposure to get noticed in a noisy world to get more speaking gigs. That was as deep as it got. But my gosh, I can't tell you, um, and I'm sure this is what you've experienced. I know you talked about this in your book. I, I cannot tell you, it's almost like I've got a doctorate degree in life and leadership by just having, having conversations with people, authentic conversations, and realizing what you just said that and if that's the underlying theme that I've had with the 300 conversation on the show, that it's never about the talent. It's always about the tenacity and that right. everybody is dealing with adversity, with limiting beliefs, with self-doubt, even the most people that, that are so significant. And you've talked to some of the biggest names in the world, presidents, my God, and I'm sure they would say the same thing. Is is that a takeaway that you got from, from – Oh, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. And, uh, and uh, what you've done is, an, is entrepreneurism. I mean, and what worries me today, and that is the fundamental basis of our the American economy is entrepreneurism. Right. And what worries me now is that unlike you, uh, people today, young people today, you know, tend to give up too quickly or don't have people to look up to or examples to follow or they don't pay attention to them. And, and you know, I worry about young people in their 20s and their 30s. You know, you know are they going to pay attention to where they're going and do they have the good examples beyond social media personalities? It's a great question. I, I tend to, I would like to say yes. You know, I would hope that, you know, because I've met a, a lot of people in that younger generation who do uh, tend to get that. But if anything, they're sent, in fact, I was having lunch with a young man in his 20s today who's, he's going to be a, just a great, success and significance and but in his mind all he can see is that it's not happening fast enough i'm guilty of that but i mean it, for him it's right. really he thinks man i should be further along and i said my god you're only 25 you know and look what you've accomplished yeah. so far it's the perspective well i mean and that's true but you know you you then fall back that's an interesting thing you brought up because i remember two years after we started uh i was we ended up uh representing people all of the people we've represented, including presidents and prime ministers and great achievers of all kinds, all on a handshake because I never wanted to sign them. That that handshake established for us a bond of trust. Right. Yeah. And so, and so I I remember two years after signing Steve Bell on a handshake, and we had had six or seven Washington journalists that had come with us on handshakes, and sitting there at my desk thinking the same thing. You know. Maybe that success isn't quick enough. You know, maybe they see none of the handshakes were picked up by the other agencies. They're still signing people with contracts. You know, maybe there's ways I can cut corners. Maybe there's ways I can get the success quicker. And at the same time, I was interested in representing a guy named Lou Holtz, who at the yeah. time was the football coach at the University of Minnesota. He later went to Notre Dame. And uh, I'll cut this story real short, but. I ended up asking him to stop by when he was coming to meet with Ronald Reagan. I had read it in the Washington Post, and he stopped by. I asked him if we could represent him, and he sent me a letter saying – he said, um, I've got two inboxes on my desk. One is for football, and one is for speeches. My inbox for speeches is now twice as big, and therefore I'd be glad to accept your offer and, and allow you to represent – Sent me. I only ask of you three things. Can I trust you? Do you care about me? And are you committed to excellence? I put that letter on my desk because that was typical Lou Holtz. Right. And I think, okay, I was just going to put it away. And that thing sat on my desk for a day and then a week. And then I finally picked it up and I couldn't figure out why I couldn't file it away. And then there it was. Are you committed to excellence? Do you care about me? Are, 
those are the very reasons I wanted to start something on my own in the first place. Mm-hmm. So you sometimes you need to be reminded of the reasons you start something and the good qualities that that you want to live up to. I love that story, and that was kind of one of the questions I was going to ask you. Kind of the same thing where I said, you know, I started this show for this reason, and now it's completely different. It's a it's a whole nother dynamic, and why I do this show. Is that what happened to you? And did you say, "Oh my gosh, I'm on to"? Uh, was it financial freedom in the beginning, and it's turned into something else? I mean, I don't know. It does, what does it become for you? You know, I don't think it. For me, it was never. I never ever thought about the money. I, I, I you know, I remember because. If, if we can't get somebody there, we pay for a private plane. I remember, you know, most of the, 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 the money for the company went to big profits, 15% profit sharing for everybody in the company. So then it was never important to me. It, I, I had, we ended up representing a guy, Alex Haley, who was the yeah. great author of Roots. Roots and yeah. Alex, Alex said to me at one time, he used to sit in my office and, and talk about family and relationships. And he said, when an old person dies, it's like a library burning. Yeah. And that's that's where I got the idea that there was more to running an organization and a company than it was money or fame right. or or the superficial things that we tend to think about. It was about – he was telling me, pay attention to the people that you're representing because you're, it's a unique situation where you can learn from those people because each of those people have learned something. And it doesn't – you don't have to have a speaker's bureau to do that. You can run a coffee shop and you learn from the people that, that come in and buy coffee from you, you know, or you learn from your employees. You know, that's, wh- that's where we become stronger and wiser. And, and, and that's the things that contribute to our success and accomplishment is the fact that we pay attention to those things in our lives. Well, it's because I think everybody has – it's the realization that everybody has a story. Everybody has a story, and it, and it deserves to be told. And, and I think that's a, a huge problem with culture and society. Maybe it's been ever since the dawn of man, but we don't tell stories very well anymore, and at least not authentic stories. It's always prepackaged or it's glossed over or it's just full of, of um, a drama, innuendo, or – um, you know, fluff and cotton candy. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, go ahead. We don't, ten, we don't tend to, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm 70 years old. So I, I, I look back and it, even after I've learned all these things, I learn back, look back and think, geez, there's some things I missed. Mm-hmm. And, and the whole point of what I'm talking about and the whole point of our conversation is that you can be 15 years old and you got to pay attention to the world around you. Yeah, yeah. You got to be in your twenties and your thirties and pay attention. What's happening to me? It's not. It's not just the period of time when, when you want to, you want to miss those opportunities and, and miss that experience. Those experience, experience in your twenties is a lot different from your thirties, and it's a lot different from your sixties. You know, and we learn something along the way. Those steps along the way that make us successful and accomplished. Well, and it's the willingness to to to. To learn and understand that it is a journey that never stops, that it's a constant. You never, you never plant your flag and say, I've arrived. If you have, then be careful because you might be heading for a big fall. And I think that if it's having that, hu- that humility and that teachable spirit, a humble teachable spirit can, I think, take you a lot farther than, um, an, e- an egotistical, passionate drive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and this applies. 
people listening may think, well, gee, that doesn't apply to the famous people, but it does. It does, yeah. We, we were one of 30 agencies selected to interview to represent Ronald Reagan in 1988. And, and they were all the big agencies. We were a small agency. Nobody in Washington, D.C. thought we'd ever represent Ronald Reagan. There were Hollywood agencies because he was an actor in mm-hmm. Hollywood. And you went through this process where these 30 agencies you go through and they would be whittled down to 15 and 7. And then the top two choices were presented to the president, Mrs. Reagan. And for months, nobody heard anything. And I got a phone call from Fred Ryan, who's now the publisher of the Washington Post. And Fred was the chief of staff for Ronald Reagan and said – and so I kind of braced myself for the bad news thinking, okay, he's going to tell me, Bernie, you guys have done a great job. You did a great job in the interviews. But you got to understand, we have to go with somebody who's more experienced. And so I picked up the phone, and he got right to the point. He said, Bernie, President and Mrs. Reagan have selected you to represent them. Wow. And I had no idea what to say. And so I said to him, I said, you know, thanked him, told him we'd go to do a good job, and I would be in touch, and I hung up the phone. And I remember sitting at my desk that day thinking how totally amazing it was that a president of the United States would trust his legacy – on a group of totally inexperienced people who could absolutely ruin <laughs> the eight years that he had been in office by messing it up afterwards. Yeah. But I came to understand something, which is important. And this is the point about if this applies to everybody, including presidents, that Ronald Reagan was really a small town boy who believed in entrepreneurism and the little guy. And he, just like Alex Haley had told me years before, he was true to the the, the goals and the and the principles in his life, the turning points, the powerful influences, and the defining moments. And because he saw that in you, he, I mean, because that was his roots or that was his you know character makeup, he saw that in you. Probably that's why he decided to pick you. Right? Yeah, I, I remember. I remember Fred Ryan. I, I was kind of afraid to ask it. And, and Fred Ryan came in in office one day, and I, I asked him, Fred, I just got to ask you, how, how in the world we, we ever get selected? And he says, you know, uh, he, he believed in entrepreneurism, and there was one big agency, and there was you in the final two, and he wanted to give you guys just three of you, give the three of you a chance. Wow. What an amazing story. And that probably was, again, another defining moment, at least for the company, because I can imagine once you got Reagan, then it was Katie Barr the door, I would imagine. Well, within within – Months we were representing Margaret Thatcher, and then we were representing Colin Powell, and then Holy General cow. Schwarzkopf in the war, and uh, uh, you know, and then then it just, and then George Bush, and then it just never really stopped. What an amazing story! And again, it shows the value of never giving up. You know, again, I, when when you started, it probably wasn't even your wild imagination that you would have a president or even Ronald Reagan as one of your clients. Um, I don't know. No, I mean, I, I never thought about it. I mean, I never – even when we were interviewing it, interviewing, we were taking that interviewing process as an experience. It, right. Like there's no way out of 30 agencies they're going to pick us, right? Yeah, for sure. Right. No, nor did anybody else in Washington, D.C. think we were going to be picked. <laughs> right. Yeah, but it shows you, again, again, that not only tenacity but, but something that's rooted in authenticity and um, – well, I think it's, it's that combination that – that intensity and drive that you had as an organization, as an individual, coupled with a, a tremendous sense of humility, that is a very powerful combination and one that, that, that leads to sustainable legacies. It's that combination, I think, is what drives great organizations. 
Yeah, and I've never lost sight of it. I mean, you know, the only time I swayed was was that period when Lou Holtz. And when I read those those things that he was saying about, you know, do you care about me? Are you committed to excellence? When I read those things, I I still think about that every single day. You know, am I doing the right thing? Yeah, oh, I uh, love that. You know, so many the book has so many great stories. You know, from some of the heavy hitters, particularly the Washington uh, circuit. You know, Madeline Albright, Tony Blair, which is you know, of course, Great Britain, but Terry Bradshaw, athletes, Tom Brokaw, Rudy Giuliani, Alan Greenspan, Lou Holtz, which you talked about, um, George Mitchell, Condoleezza Rice, Mary Lee Retton. The list goes on and on. What do you want a, a, someone that's listening out there? This is going to pick up this book, and I'm diving into it, and I'm already loving what I've read so far. What do you want people to walk away with when they, when they finish this book? I just, I just they, what I think they will see. These are thirty four short stories that where I ended up. I knew their story, but I ended up interviewing them. I ended up transcribing the interviews. I, several times I did two or three interviews because Bob Woodward, uh, the journalist, Watergate journalist, said to me before I started the book. He says you're going to have to really delve into this because people will want to tell you what they want heard. As opposed to the truth, and 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 I remember when Terry Bradshaw, I had to do his interview three or four times, because Terry was a person who was kind of hurt by being called dumb, and yeah. I wanted to get that story right. told because mm-hmm. there are other people were were criticized, but the, the thing you get out of the story is like Tom Brokaw flunked out of co- Tom, the great journalist, flunked out of college twice. Now. What separated in, in his story, what separated Tom from the rest of us who flunk out of school uh, or just fail? Uh, Liz, there's a girl named Liz Murray in there who is the, was the child of drug-addicted parents and ended up as a teenager homeless on the streets and the subways of New York City. She worked her way back to high school and eventually got into Harvard. Now, what separated Liz's experience from the millions of others who are homeless in this country or are simply stuck in one position and can't get out of it? Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or, for example, uh, uh, Secretary of Labor Robert Reich is only five foot one, and his life was changed by the death of a young boy who protected him during the civil rights movement. And what separated Robert Reich's life from the Hundreds and thousands of others who were bullied in school or picked on or, 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 you know, dominated in life. What separated his life from the rest of us who were like that? So that's what I get out of the story. Yeah. You know what? what when I'm listening to you say that, it reminds me of it's really the show that I've, and I started another show called Out of the Mud and, and uh, you know, due to time constraints. And I'm eventually going to go back to that because it's, those are what I call out of the mud moments. I'm always fascinated by if you and I can experience the same whatever traumatic event or whatever happens. Our fathers are alcoholics or our, our parents were killed in a car crash when we were young. or And those things happen to you or me. One of us stays stuck in the mud. The other one gets out of it and it defines their life into this, compl- this trajectory that leads to this really significant value-added life. And I'm always amazed by that transition why someone stays stuck in the mud and the other one gets out of it right and you can usually see something when you when you read or learn about those stories you can usually see something in there that applies to you well and that's what's so great about the book because when you go through all these stories it, really 
to me, the takeaway is the inspiration that allows me to aspire to, you know, hey, they're no different than me, right? And if they can, right. if they can get out of it, because no matter what problem you're faced with, no matter dark as it may seem in your moment, someone's experienced this before and someone's got out of it, right? Yep. And so yep. that's, that's really the value of, I think, of why, of telling these stories of these high profile, uh, heavy hitters. It, it, to me, I think that's, that's the value of the book, in my opinion, because it shows them, look, it wasn't as you put, blessed with a silver spoon in their mouth. I mean, they went through some serious adversity and look what happened. Right. And I'm, and I'm not saying every famous person is like this because I don't know every famous no. person, but I can, I can tell you the people I represented were as good to me and, and, and nice people as my next neighbors are. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I mean, I think again, again, not trying to compare what you've accomplished on this with this little show that I have here, but I mean, that's probably one of my takeaways I've had when people say, "Well, how did you get so and so on the show?" And I said, "Well, I just asked, you know." Right. And, and right. they were they tie their shoes just like I do. I've learned to come to find out, you know. If and, you tr- if you treat people well, people will treat you well in return. Yeah. Oh, Bernie, I love your stuff, man. I love this book. Uh, I'm, you know, I just got it and I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to be working through it. I think it should be a go-to for anyone that's interested in uh, uh, leading a significant life because there's so many great nuggets and listening or in, in exploring other people's stories. It really is. I mean, I think that's how you stay inspired and how you sustain yourself in those doubtful moments, in my opinion. So congrats. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. This has been an honor for me. I really appreciate it. How can people get in touch with you? I mean, certainly the book is, is available. Um, how can people get in touch with you, learn more about well, you? Uh, I have a website called BernieSwain.com. I have, I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, like Donald Trump, I Twitter. Uh, <laughs> my Twitters are different. Um, and, um, and then you, you can always email me as bswain at washingtonspeakers.com if anybody has a question. Uh, I know there's a lot of people out there that are in, that want to be speakers and in, on my website is a 10 step plan to get a speakers bureau interested in you, which is a hard thing to do, but a doable thing. And, um, so, but if anybody has any questions, any of those ways, they, they can get a hold of me and I'd be glad to answer their questions. Bernie Swain, you're the real deal, my friend. So glad to have you on the show. The book is What Made Me Who I Am. Uh, it's a great book. Go grab it out there. Have it part of your um, leadership journey. I, I think you're really going to enjoy it. Bernie, thanks for coming on the show. Well, thank you very much. It's been an honor for me. Thanks. Hey, thanks for tuning into the show. Go to richardryerson.com or doseofleadership.com and fill out the contact page and reach out to me. Let me know where you're at your leadership journey. Also, if you want access to my brand new online leadership course to help become a better leader, go to LegacyLeaderBlueprint.com. Fill out your email and you gain access to a free 12-minute video that will reveal the top secrets of leadership and also show you how you can gain access, exclusive access to my online leadership course. That's LegacyLeaderBlueprint.com. Hope to see you on the inside. Thanks for tuning into the show.